Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Danny Clockwork from Clockwork Orange, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. Just keep doing them. Hi. (laughs) I'm Danny Clockwork from Clockwork Orange, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. Can you do an accent? What accent do you want? I do Australian. Hi, I'm Danny Clockwork from Clockwork Orange, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. Well, we could go worldwide with do this. Irish? Say Irish? Yeah, hold on, Irish. Yeah, it's, uh, no, I could do Irish. sound like Australian is a... Uh, what has she got? It'll come to me. South Africa. Hi, I'm Danny from Clockwork Orange. From I'm Danny from... I'm Danny Clockwork from Clockwork Orange, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Because it sounds schizophrenic. <laughs> I'll just chop all those up so it's a different accent all the way How through. many brains, how many things has this geezer got? House Culture. Hello, and welcome to the House Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Managing Editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. Thanks for joining us, for lending us your ears. For those who don't know who we are, what we stand for, we at House Culture are a group, a gang, a collective of house music fans who have come together through their mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. You can follow us day to day on our Instagram feed at House Culture Net. However, what we're aiming to do with this podcast is to sit down with some of the most iconic characters from the scene for a candid chat to discover how they fell in love with the music and how it has shaped their life. In this episode, we talked to Danny Clockwork, one of the founders of the now worldwide Clockwork Orange series of parties. 2019 is a massive year for these guys. Not only are they launching their biggest UK event yet, Clockstock, which is being held at Chelmsford Racecourse on the 22nd of June, they are also celebrating their 25th year in Ibiza with a bumper series of events across the island on the weekend of the 18th to the 22nd of July. These include boat parties, clock stock at Benamusa Park, a 25th anniversary show at their spiritual home in Esparadis, and the first all-day party under the glass roof of Amnesia. 
the House Culture crew, of course, will be there in full effect. So why don't you come party with us at Clockwork Orange in Ibiza this summer and buy your tickets now. But wait, 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 wait. Before you rush off and do that, let's hear from Clockwork Orange co-founder Danny Clockwork himself. In this chat, we wanted to know how they got started in Ibiza and how a quarter of a century later they're still going strong. It's extremely frank and unscripted, covers the highs of promoting your own massively successful events. The highest euphoria you can achieve is what we went for, and we got it. That's why it was just like, wow, you know. Through to the lows of a life lived on the absolute limit. You get these people and they go, oh, I'm mad. I was insane, like totally insane. Live for drink, live for drugs. Almost like I had a personal line to the devil. I was a lunatic. Yep. He's come out the other side and carries with him a bag full of hilarious anecdotes. Quite funny runs. Once my mum come to one party at Camden Palace in 1995 and I dropped acid. And also has plenty to say about his love of house music. House music's giving me my life. My life has been house music. That is it. So, brace yourself, get ready to jump on the roller coaster that is the story so far of Danny Clockwork. culture. Danny, you know, it's great to have you here. Thanks Thank for you. coming in. Uh, you're one of the founders of the Clockwork Orange series of parties, a massively successful brand, both in the UK and in Ibiza. You guys are celebrating your 25th anniversary on the island this summer with a huge series of events. Before we come on to that, we obviously we've been talking beforehand at House Conscio want to know how it all got started. Can we rewind to the time before Clockwork Orange was even a, a thing? Talk about you yeah. specifically. What was it originally that got you into house music? What's your uh, story? Well, I, mean, I, tell, well, I, I, I can tell you. Um, and this ain't no plug either because I'm writing a book. It's nearly finished. And it, all this stuff that you're talking about explains it in there. Yeah. Um, I started off. I was never really one of these kids who was into like The Cure or U2 and all that. I used to do my nutty. My mate used to like it. And then I got into that later. Like 88, 89, a bit later when my, my friend, one of my friends um, used to play that stuff and there was certain stuff that I liked. But when I was about 11 or 12, 83, 81, around about that kind of era, there used to be, a, it was in for Dave Pierce um, on a Monday night, um, Radio London, and he used to do a hip hop show. And I fell in love with it. You know, I, mean, I fell in love with hip hop, with the old stuff like Public Enemy, Karis One, Cormo D, uh, you name it before all this stuff that's going on now and um, done all the like you know the beatboxing at school and all that and um, just totally fell in love with house uh, with hip hop then hip house came out yeah. it's like what's that it's another little dimension love that and then uh, my first job actually was uh, literally about 10 minutes away um, 10 minutes away or five minutes walk over the road in uh, Tabernacle Street, just round here, 1988. Sony Walkman listening to the radio and this I was going through all the stations and this radio station come on called, um, I was uh, 16, working in this thing as a postboy. And um, this radio station, Sunrise FM, came on and I was like, oh my God, what is this? I knew of house music, do you know what I mean? But... Um, and I, I was listening to it at work, and I remember the stuff. I have, I've actually got the original. I could find it on my Facebook now if I really looked hard. I've got the original piece of paper from that day, 1988, about May, maybe, um, of the original stuff, like uh, Jesus Loves Acid, uh, Roxanne Shante, Sharp as a Knife. I can see the paper now in my head. 
And I wrote them all down because I was like, what is this? What is this music? And it went on from there and I listened to that every day and then 1989, you know, Centre Force came out and then your classics career, uh, you know, Voodoo Rays and all stuff like that. Um, and it just went on from there really. And then uh, I just fell in love with it and I was like, what is going on here? Do you know what I mean? It was my sound. Yeah. House yeah. music was my sound. It was, it, it was me. Do you know what I mean? It spoke to me, mm -hmm. you know, without like trying to sound too uh, whatever. Yeah, it just spoke to me. I was like, what is this? I craved it. It was a brand new sound. And I suppose during that period, you, you were living in and around London? No, I've always lived in Essex. Yeah, okay. So uh, were there any parties that you were going to to find and seek this music out? Yeah, um, I used to go Echoes in the Bow Road, which was a uh, centre force. And I used to do a Saturday night. But the one... There's a one sound uh, that, that just 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 really spoke to me. I love house music. I love the classics. I love house music now, but the Balearic kind of uh, then you had the, it was Balearic and the Belgium new beat it was called and um, obscurities and deletions. There was a DJ there called Tony Wilson on a Friday. It was called uh, Tranquility on a Friday at, um, at Echoes. And, you know, this was like 1989 and all the big warehouse raves going on and stuff like that. But the stuff that he plays was totally different. And I was like, what is this sound? And even now, his sound to me is amazing. He can't mix for Toffee. He'll admit it. And he plays for Clockwork. He can't mix to save his life. If his life depended on it, he would die. <laughs> but um, his music is just off the scale. It's off the scale. And, it, and it's unique. You know what I mean? There's a lot of... All the DJs in that era, 87, 88, 89, were playing that sound, but he still plays that today. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's indicative of there wasn't much. It was more around creating a vibe, and I suppose that Balearic sound coming off the island, uh, it was difficult for those DJs to source that music, so they were playing a bit of everything besides long-form remixes oh, totally and kind of mixing it all like, up yeah, totally. Yeah, U2, Italia House, um, your classics, that Belgium new beat. Um, it, it, his stuff was totally mismatch of everything and there was no mixing you know what I mean you pulled this one in you pulled that one in and there was no work real then it was more like it was a continuous thing all day long but um, all night long but um, it's not until later years like that real euphoria came out you know that like intensity that kind of stuff I just need to take this phone call sorry <laughs> Duty calls. Yeah, totally. You've got to make it up as you go sometimes, <laughs> especially when you're juggling so many balls. Yeah, no, I mean, you're busy, busy, busy. So, yeah, we were talking about the, vi the, the Balearic vibe that you would hear a DJ kind of create, um, being completely different from uh, a really smoothly mixed set. It was more around just playing tracks and creating it was chopping them in and out. Yeah. Fading them in and out. There was no beat matching. That came like 89, 90, 91. People were still trying around at doing it. And then it came like, you know, 92, 93, people were mixing like solid. Yeah. I you mean, try and mix them old tunes now, it's virtually impossible because they're all over the show. They're like wobbling and out and you're forever like trying to speed this one up. It's, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. And a lot of them were live, uh, you know, had live drummers on and things like that. And they kind mm. of move all over the place. You listen to any of them old mixes from 89 now, it's shocking. It's shocking to today's standards, but them standards, it didn't matter. One of my old favourite tapes was that man I was talking about just now, Tony Wilson. And it's fading in and out, and one, it, one tune might go boom, 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 and he brings this one on, fades that one out, and that's it. But it's one of my most favourite tapes. Yeah, and it's more about that rawness, isn't it, and just creating that yeah. vibe. It's the music. It yeah. wasn't about how, how tight they were with the mixes, but 
that's the euphoria of today is, is having two tunes like playing together which creates that buzz you know which creates 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 a euphoria yeah i mean we can come on later to kind of the difference between then and now i suppose mm. but um so you're still in this era 89 90 you know discovered like that kind of Balearic vibe, the whole kind of early rave scene was going on as well, like warehouse parties and things like that. Were you ever going to those or were you more no, seeking out this? No, I didn't um, I didn't manage to go. I was only 17. I was working in the greengrocers. I was earning £100 a week for a six-day week. So you worked that out. That's what, £15 a day? You know, when these labourers today tell me, they go, I'm only earning 40 or 50 or £60 a day. And I say to them, listen here, don't go there. I used to work my knackers off for like hundred pound a week, um, and a ticket to like one of their big raves then was forty, fifty quid, you know. And if you're talking about everything else and all your drinks and getting there and all that, you're talking over hundred pound. And I just couldn't afford it yes. when I was too young. It was one of, that is my only regret in life. Not not for everything that I lost due to like drug addiction and alcoholism and all that stuff. I've got no qualms with that whatsoever. One of my biggest things is. I wish I'd gone to the Midsummer Night's Dreams, to the Genesis, to the Biologies. That is it. The girlfriends I lost, the people I upset, I, just, I don't care. I just wish I'd experienced that. Yeah, you know? I don't think that's exclusive to you either, to be honest. I think yeah. everyone that's into the scene yeah, now is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just, just them big ones, you know, the stuff with that. And just, just to have had that under my belt to have said that I was, I was there at that time. But I've recreated that in Clockwork anyway. I mean, the festival that we're doing and... Um, parks we've done over the years I've done car parks I've done film studios so we've recreated it we've recreated what I lost so in a way I shouldn't really worry about it I should have no <laughs> you're recreating yeah but yeah I should yeah. have no it's that DIY spirit isn't it putting it all together on the fly uh, Printworks Printworks yeah. is one of the most amazing venues ever it's fantastic 5,000 people an old converted warehouse which was um, the evening standard building and we've done it in September absolutely smashed the living granny out of it and that's true. That's not like someone trying to self-promote because I wouldn't do a party. If my parties were just good or normal, then I'd stop. Unless they're anything above and beyond and they take you to somewhere else that you never thought was imaginable, then um, there's, there's no point in me doing it. There's no yeah. point. Yeah, It's got to be something special. So we could talk about print works and everything like that. Um, but before we even get to there, so what, where, what point were you at when you thought you you'd been somewhere some event or something and took a step back maybe and thought I want to I want to put these on myself I want to create a brand a club night a vibe with the with all these people with these DJs something that's kind of mine and I own was that ever a I feeling never did um, there was things I was doing in and around London that I got arrested for <laughs> yeah let's just say that that's quite a way, good way of saying it isn't it and then um, I met these boys when I was out in, um, I was in uh, Naked Lunch one night. And uh, this thing that I was doing that I got slung out for, yeah, with this geezer, he'd give me a lift home and we was talking and all that and we became friends and I became friends with one of his friends. And I knew a lot of people because I was going to, um, on a Friday I was going to a Hole in the Moon in uh, Deptford Broadway, which was Tony Wilson. Then Saturday, I was either going to the Gas Club or to Naked Lunch in uh, the Val Bon in central London. They were your main two, three gaffes that you was going to at the time. And I met Andy, my partner, and we were just talking all that. And he said, you fancy doing a party? And I was like, mm, dunno, dunno. He said, well, I'll do the DJ and you know people, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, give it a go. And, and that was it. Just give it a go. Once I'd done the first one, then I had the bug for it. 
Then I'd bug. Once you've done one, that's it. You can't leave it there. It's like a tattoo. Someone says, I'm going to get one tattoo. I started with one tattoo. I've got the tattoo on my hand there. Now I've got about 40. It's an addiction. Do you know what I mean? You've got to keep better and you've got to keep doing better. Putting on better events, more stuff, bigger this, more lasers. Making it amazing. We started off with two DJs and then most of our things now have got about 20 on it. Like the festival's got 66. Yeah, I mean, so... So Andy, your partner, he was the DJ. That's it. And w- at what point did DJing come in for you, was it? Um, I started having a little go in about, uh, when I met Andy, and then Andy had Dex. I said, give me a go. T- teach me how to do it, or just teach me the fundamentals. If we went round to his house and everyone was sitting in the living room, I'd say, can I come up in your bedroom and have a mix? Anyone I met who had Dex, I'd just go, can I have a mix? And um, then I started having a go in the second room, which was like Camden Palace, and... Um, quite funny once once my mum come to one party at Camden Palace in 1995 with her friend and I dropped acid and um yeah I dropped a were you sorry were you DJing at this and you no were, this is yeah. what I'm going to tell you the story yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I dropped to I dropped to microdot and I'm up in the top room in in Camden Palace and I'm sitting standing there obviously I didn't know what the hell was going on I'm just standing there and I thought we had a PA in the main room because I could hear singing in the main room and I could hear singing on the decks but it turned out that I had two records just playing. They weren't in mix, they were just playing. And both had vocals in it, and everybody's not, no one's dancing, they're just standing there watching me. And I didn't know what was going on. And I looked at the decks, saw that they were both on spinning. I didn't even know how to turn them off. I was that pickled. And then Brandon Block turned up, because he was on next to I had about I had about half hour, hour of my set left, and I was like, I can't do it no more. I want you just have to play. I just took my vinyl off. My mum never saw me that night, funny enough. And then, um, <laughs> She, I saw her at the beginning, and then she never saw me in the state where I was in, and I just took the stuff off the decks, and that was it. But then from then on in, used to do the back rooms, but then when we started doing it again, used to, um, it's different now. The music you get now is not like the old days with the vinyl. All my vinyl I lost and got broken and thrown away and left in clubs in big record boxes and stuff like that. And um, when the new stuff started coming out, it's like, oh, now you can get like 500 tunes in a day. And it costs you 500 quid, but they're like a pound each, and you download them, and they're all solid beats, and it's, and it's a lot easier. And I started off playing in the second room, and I was like, no, I want a bit of, a bit of the main room. So it's when Clockwork relaunched that I started about about five years ago. We've been going about six or seven years ago now. Uh, hold on, am I 47? Seven years ago. goes so quick. Relaunched, and then, yeah, after about a year or two years, I said I want a bit of the main room, and that was it. Went from there. And you've got the taste. Yeah, that is my buzz today. Music, music was always my buzz. was always my buzz. What I loved, and as a friend of mine, Vaughn, who's in recovery, same as me, he turned around and um, he said to me, it was always about the music, Danny said, but the drink and the drugs got in the way. And that, that is the truth. It was always about the music. Yeah, none of, the, none of that stuff comes first. The music always comes mm. first and then everything else follows. Yeah. So if you can get yourself back to that point... Mm. Which I have, and that's the buzz. That's the buzz. When you're DJing, you could wait three hours to go on and DJ, or two hours around. Them hours go so slow, so slow. But that hour and a half when you're playing, or them two hours or that hour, it's like in a blink, because you're lost in it. You're so concentrating on what you're doing and what you've got to create, it's over. It's over so quick. And that's the buzz. That's my buzz today. 
and you can turn up these days and you, you know your tunes are in a pocket you're not leaving them um, yeah, in record USB boxes sticks, anyway. yeah you've got like 50 million zillion tunes on a USB you lose, you lose them USBs you buggered yeah yeah you buggered but now you have like backups you have about six different USBs all with the same stuff so if that one don't work that one don't work if you got about to the fifth one and they all didn't work then I think yeah you'd be a, you'd be a bit worried that's it that's it so I mean so let's rewind again to um just about the formation of Clockwork, you know, you were saying that you were kind of unsure about um, putting on a party. With, yeah, with I wasn't unsure. Or... Yeah, I had to be, I had to be persu- not persuaded, but like, yeah, be good. Come on, we'll do it. And um, that was it. I got involved. There was four of us originally, mm-hmm. four of us, all friends. And then um, me and Andy cracked on. One of them was a barrister. He wanted to concentrate on being a barrister. The other one just didn't want to do it. And uh, me and Andy cracked on. And then in... 94 um, Andy said to me because I was I used to go to Ibiza every summer for like a month or whatever and he said I said to him I'm going to Ibiza and he said why don't we take clockwork to Ibiza and I went oh you're mad I said we've only been going a little while I said who knows what clockwork is so he spoke to Brandon Block Brandon Block spoke to S Paradise S Paradise said come in and have a chat went in and they went we'll give you Wednesdays like what that was it and within four weeks we had the flyers printed the DJs booked Used to ring them at home them, them days, John Digweed, uh, <laughs> Judge Jules, Brandon Block. You ring them up, their mum might answer the phone or you leave a thingy because no one had no mobiles. The internet weren't even in, uh, invented until about 94, 94, 95. So it's a different world. Totally. Makes me feel old. Before cars, <laughs> do you know what I mean? When the milk floats had horses. You talk to kids now, they talk about, we talk about horses and milk floats. They ain't got a clue. But, um, yeah, we went out there and that was it. We just cracked on. The first summer was all right, but what it did is it, is it, catapulted us above everyone else yeah. because all those people in Ibiza from like you know Leeds or Nottingham or Southampton they all started to become aware about clockwork whereas our competition in London was just London based yeah and I mean so even taking you know it's a massive bold step and it came together really quickly by the sounds of things so uh, was it just word of mouth from from the events I mean you guys never used to sell tickets up front it was always on the door no it was never right? tickets in the old days Never tickets. The only the only time we did a ticket was for the birthday. Um, then it was flyers on cars or standing outside clubs. Yeah. So you go to a club six o'clock in the morning, five o'clock. You go Ministry of Sound. You'd walk around, put all the tickets on all the flyers on the cars. Then someone would walk behind you and take all your flyers off. <laughs> then you walk around again, put them all up, and then threaten to beat them up. And then you know, flyers in. You know, you get them little plastic gloves from the petrol garages. Stop your hands getting covered in petrol. We just put our flyers in them. And then put them underneath the windscreen because our flyer originally, the clockwork one, had a hand in it. So we used that and it looked quite effective. <laughs> it cost us nothing. <laughs> Going all the petrol garages, stealing all their gloves, <laughs> putting all the flyers in there. And, um, and posters in shops and word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was no internet, there was no database, there was no Facebook, Instagram, you know, all these social media like sites that people have got now. It was, um, it was the old school way of doing it. Old yeah. school. And it and built up that way. And a, a lot of that audience was uh, the people in Ibiza at that time. Well, you weren't really promoting it outside of London in the UK or, you know, it was all no, um, people coming back to the UK saying I went to this event. Back to the UK, yeah, and then finding out about it. It was like things like Time Out or in the listings of Mix Mag and things like that. Or if you did an advert. The first ever New Year's Eve gig we did for about 3,000 people was uh, 1994 and we'd done a full-page black-and-white advert in Mixmag. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, New Year's Eve, uh, Clockwork Orange presents uh, uh, New Year's Eve Spectacular, I think it was, at um, the uh, old, old Vic. Or, uh, no, it was a car park in um, London Bridge. 
Yeah, three and a half thousand people, big massive marquee. There was uh, two toilets. <laughs> I'm not laughing, I'm not joking. There was two toilets, three and a half thousand people. Cube was like, from here to Colchester, it was mad. We had a pickup truck with a shuttle on the back as the, uh, ch- as the cloakroom. And at the end of the night, it's like three or 400 people going like, where's my coat? And like, there's no coats in the back of the thing. Everyone's just like walked off with the wrong coat. It was wow. a big like, letter was sent in to uh, time out and uh, over oh, the years. Even, do you think that's like the difference between now and then? You know, it was maybe a letter in time out. People might have been complaining, but like now if that's something like that happened, you know, it could kind of completely undermine what you've done because it would be all over the social media. Yeah, it's the social media, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, social media, yeah. And that's yeah. the hardest thing now, like, is, is keeping a... See, we've got a group, Clockwork Orange group. It's like a member. It used to be an open group, and now it's closed. And um, and all things go on there. And even, like, yesterday, it's almost like it's like it's created its own little family, like, world, like the Orange Army, what we call it. And then someone was saying there's too much of this being put on there and all these people, so you have to delete that. Then someone said, is it like, you know, and it's almost like it's another family thing you've got to like, you know, got to control. And then people post the same thing, so you've got to delete this. And that's a bit too near the mark, so you delete that. And then you get a message. Why have you deleted my post? What's it fucking matter? <laughs> like, what, what are you trying to achieve? You're not going to take over the world. It's a bit of a laugh. If it's been deleted, it's for a reason. And you keep trying to say to them, like, you know, if you're putting about other people's parties, or you're trying to promote yourself as a DJ, well, it's a Clockwork Orange page. That's it. So that's another aspect, social media. So <coughs> the Ibiza story, you're, you're kind of you're fully ensconced in S Paradise. That's your home in Ibiza in that first era. That was, yeah. Yeah. And was there ever a point where you were thinking outside of that or was were you happy where you were? Were you, were you getting, um, you know, uh, wooed by anyone else on the island? Or how did that, how did you operate on the island? See, if you look at it, 94 was given the opportunity. Then 95 is when it kicked off. The first party we'd done in 1995, we had uh, Jeremy Healy, Lisa Loud, John Please Women, and Boy George come with John Please Women. I'm 22 years old, thinking I'm the king of Ibiza. Boy George, Jeremy Healy. It was the first time we got Jeremy Healy. We've been trying since we started. And um, I just thought I was the king. And in 95, we'd done a riot. We'd upgraded from an apartment in San Antonio to a villa with this crazy German geezer called Uva, who used to keep a magnum in their safe with real bullets. Oh, yeah, 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 crazy man, crazy man, good geezer. And when we met him the first night and uh, we had the money for his uh, villa in our pocket, it was like five grand for the summer. You can't even get a villa five grand a week now. And, um, and he went, the first things he said, he went, uh, if you, um, if, let me think about what he said, he went, if you boys ever get any trouble, if you was to ever kill anybody, this is what he said, he went, if you was to ever kill anybody, let me know, I can sort it out, I've got a boat. And I went, what? And then he went, he went, have you got my deposit? <laughs> have you got my money for the villa? I went, of course I've got your money for the villa. And then he went, come have a look at this, it's crazy, like a badger. And he went, um, he opened the safe, and he went, this is a code for the safe, and he went, look, Magnum, bullets, don't play with it. So we got pissed, went out, sorry, we got drunk, come back that night, got the gun out, no bullets, make sure there's no bullets in it, spin it around, trying to show off, Whee! And he was always around, he was always watching when you didn't know he was watching. Next morning when we woke up, the safe was open, the bullets were gone and the gun was gone. And I went, that was yours, wasn't it? He went, I told you not to play with it. It's about four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, where was you? Where was you? You know, we, he'd give us an air rifle, an air pistol, 
We shot all his plant pots, all his satellite dish. Shot his dog. <laughs> <laughs> we shot all his glasses, his plates. Shot our friends. Not with a magnum, hopefully. No, no, with an air rifle. <laughs> yeah. An air rifle. We used to fill it up with paper, and if you shoot someone close with it, it used to cut, used to cut you and make massive bruising. So we used to get drunk and do that. And at the end of the summer, it cost us five grand to rent it, but he wanted two grand in damages. <laughs> and we had to pay it, because he made sure we paid it before we went home. He went, don't forget what I've got in the, in the safe. I was like, oh, I've got your money, I've got you now. Yeah, so then it went 95, 96, crazy mad year. Um, and then people were like asking us questions and then um, and um, it was Star Club then. Then it went into, a, I can't even remember what it's called because I've never wanted to do a party there. One opposite S Paradise. Eden. Eden, yeah. <coughs> I'm not being funny. It's like an English club in the sun. I can't stand it. I really can't stand it. That's my. I walked in, 99, 2000 when they launched it. I walked in and walked out. I was, I was like, no. Then amnesia were asking, and then some guys we know they went into amnesia and 2000 with a big court case out there, and, and it all finished really. It all went a bit, more of a double wonky from there. And our yeah, last year yeah. was together, together on Clockwork Orange presents together. 2001, I went, that's it, I'm finished, I'm done. I mean, we can get into that um, a bit further on. I just want to talk about those those highs that we were talking earlier about how 98 was the biggest year. But 97 was, there was Ibiza Uncovered, was that 97? Yeah. Was that, I suppose just for people that might be listening that might even not know what Ibiza Uncovered was, it was like one of those shows that was, it was on Sky One, it was one of the original reality TV shows and just following people around who having a summer on Ibiza. And you mm. you guys as Clockwork Orange featured quite heavily in that. Yep, um, Andy, my partner, was asked to do it. And um, he contacted the producers, and it was through Jeremy Ely's agent. Uh, uh, what was her name then? I can't remember what her name was. And um, I said, would you be interested? And he said, yeah. And then our party was on a Wednesday, and Andy was supposed to meet him at Cafe Mambo on the Wednesday morning. <laughs> and he just went out and got proper pickled. And at about 7 o'clock in the morning, he come into my room, and he went, I ain't been to bed. He went, I can't beat these guys at 10 o'clock. He went, you'll have to do it. And I went, no worries. So I met him. And um, we'd done all the filming and all that. And then he woke up about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And then in the night time, came down to Mambo's, or, yeah, where we had the pre-part. And he said, um, I'll do it. I'm ready for the filming now. And I went, no, that's all right. We'll, we'll stay with Danny. We're going to keep it as it is. And we'd done the filming. And then in the end of, because of be for Uncovered, in September... Of 1997, we beat the all-time record what up your Ronson set in '95, which is about two and a half thousand pounds, two thousand four hundred, and we got two thousand five hundred. And um, at the end of '97, and I was standing there up the top in VIP in this like, area anyway, as a bar, not VIP, and um, talking to Jeremy Ely. Jeremy Ely's just smashed it. Um, then the doorman comes up, Paco, who used to work there. And he said to me, um, you've, tonight you've beaten the record of like, uh, because of uh, because of IB for Uncovered, because it came out about August. And anybody who came out in September basically came to Clockwork or went to Manumission. And then in 1998, it was a result of that and a result of the parties and it all just catching catching the light. We went from two, four, two, five, two, seven, two, nine, three, three, one, went up to three and a half thousand people. Wow. And it was packed, it was rocking every week. Yeah. Even when we finished in 1998 on the 12th or the 17th of September, the week later on the 24th, they still had 3,000 people in there and we'd gone home. Such was that momentum, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But then 99, 
in Ibiza just exploded with promoters. Everybody came out there, and what was once special, an individual, was now just it was just that was it. It was just all watered down. It was there was too many people, too many promoters. Other promoters in terms of other UK clubbing brands? Or? Yeah, all, all UK, yeah. God's Kitchen come out in 99, basically using the same DJs we was using. Some of them a bit bigger, with a better um, promotional backing at Amnesia, because um, where we was, we weren't getting nothing. It was all us. But then they had a different marketing strategy, which was good, which, which, was, which was respected, you know. But it was always like, you know, in the old days, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, it was... Money pennies and manumission on a Monday. It used to be Tuesday's manumission at Pasha. Wednesday's was clockwork and renaissance. Thursday's was cream. Friday's was ministry at Pasha. Saturday was nothing. There was never nothing on a Saturday. And this was one of my downfalls in later years that I did a Saturday. And then um, Sunday was space. That's when all the promoters come together on a Sunday and they did space. It was all, back in the day, it was all day parties. It was, sorry, that was the only day party. All the other promoters were night parties. Now it's all day parties. No one wants to do night. Do you know what I mean? It's totally reversed. How have we never got that in the old days? Do you know what I mean? It's so much easier. Staying up till 12 o'clock at night and then working till 7 o'clock in the morning. Just so tiring. But now we'd, all our parties are day parties. Yeah. Apart from Miss Paradise this year, which is an after party. But that's about it. So that period... At, at S Paradise, what were, just what was the vibe like? What was the classic lineup of DJs at a Clockwork Orange event? And what was the vibe like that you guys created? The vibe? What, what, the um, lineup? What was, what did, how did you just judge success at that point? Were you, were you after a particular vibe or just getting people in the door? I'll or? tell you exactly what it was. Your, your DJ lineup um, was Jeremy Ely, Judge Jules. Tall Paul, Seb Fontaine, John Kelly, Brandon Alex, people like Sister Bliss, um, Lisa Loud, uh, all along them lines. They were, they were, that's who he was booking. The success was a packed club, not three quarters packed, not half packed, f- packed club. It didn't start off like that, 94, 95 had its moments. 96 was a bit of a bad year in RB for all around for everyone. 97 packed, 98 packed, 99 half to three quarters. The way that we gauged it, or the way that we, um, uh, is, is euphoria. Like pure and utter people going, like not just like bopping around, crazy. I've got videos of people on people's shoulders, jumping up and down, screaming, going mental, with everyone around them jumping. You can't get no better than that. You can't get no higher than that. The highest euphoria you can achieve is what we went for, and we got it. That's why it was just like, wow, you know? Wow, the videos I've got now are like packed, rocking, and that's what I always associate everything with. But when we came back, I realized that not everybody's into that up-tempo euphoria stuff. Now it's a bit more different. You can put that DJ on then, and this DJ might play different stuff, but that's all right, because everyone will go for something different now, you know, instead of a, a specific sound that's like, you know, like trance. In the end, it was trance. And I've listened to some of them old videos back, and I was like, it's so, it's banging. And it's, and it's like, bang, bang. It's like this quick, bang, 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 bang. And I was like, oh, that's ugly. It's ugly. Yeah. But that's what it was now, then. Do you know what I mean? It's what, that's what it was. Yeah, like. and that had its place at that time. Yeah. And the, but, the, but in a night party, I suppose, you can't really get that light and shade in terms of tempo, whereas you guys are doing day parties now. Mm. That's what it's all about. And There's it builds a bit more now. to mix it up. Yeah, it builds now. Yeah. Yeah. 
So massive success. You know, you alluded to it earlier about a big court case in Ibiza in 2000. Um, where, where did you kind of fall out of love with the island? What, what, what was the story there? I never fell out of love with the island. Um, what I fell out, with, <coughs> out of love with was just working for six months or a year on a project and at the end of it losing money on uh, money and like you know if you've got a drug addiction and you want to drink yourself to death which I had I basically want as much money as I could for powder that is a truth and if I was working for six months it don't matter about that the DJ's fees had gone up like astronomical the agent's fees have gone up astronomical some of the DJ's have gone up like times four in, w- in what period? In like in a five-year period? Three or four years. Three oh. or four years. Yeah, gone like massive. You know, from for like paying them three, four hundred quid to like fifteen hundred pound. Um, I never fell out of love with Ibiza. There was a period in two thousand. I think it was two thousand one when Clockwork Orange was doing. Um, we was doing in conjunction together with. Uh, we was doing in junction together with together the party that is now at Amnesia with mm-hmm. our friend Danny Newman from Turnmills. I thought I, I was totally when when I when I tell you like you get these people and they go oh I'm mad, I was insane, I was like totally insane, live for drink, live for drugs, almost like I was like I had a personal hotline to the devil. I was a lunatic, and I remember driving around on the first night of this new party, and I was leaving uh, uh, San Jose, and as you go up into San Jose you look back and you can see the whole of the Bay of San Antonio and the sun was setting and I prayed and I went, please make this new venture something special. Basically, all I wanted was loads of money for drinking drugs. That, that was that, if I'm being honest, if I think about it now in hindsight, and that first party was all right. Um, I was being filmed on MTV. I was being filmed on I'll Be Front Cover 2. I was being filmed by train spotters. I had a court case going on. I was running this party on my own um, and it was just all too much. And this first party, and I was like, I remember the stress that night. I remember the stress, the mad stress. And um, and I prayed and I went, please make this party something special. And it weren't. And I was like, ah, our beef is not listening to me. My beef is an island. I mean, how crazy do you want to be? Do you think an island's going to sort something out? It's got mystical, something magic about our beef, and that's why I go. And when I step off the plane now, I want to buy somewhere this this year. I've wanted to do it for many, many years. And um, and I thought, yeah, I'll be for this and I'll be for that. No, it's you. It's what you do and what you achieve and how hard you work is how you accomplish and you 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 make something a success. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And um, clockwork, same thing. It's like, you know, in London, you know, working hard and six months and, and then it all just, and I was like, that's it. Can't do it no more. Can't do it no more. Yeah. Left. Just finished. Wow. I mean, so during that period when you were in Ibiza for six months of the year, when you came back to the UK, what what was the day job? Was it just pure Clockwork Orange, like organising? So I'd get home and I'd get back to my flat and Monday in my head was manumission. So I got right on it. Tuesdays was money pennies. So I got right on it. Wednesdays was Clockwork. So I got right on it. Thursdays cream, Fridays and then Saturday, I think I, think I still got right on it. And even on a Sunday, you go down the pub all day and as soon as you had that first drink, I wanted to get on it, you know. So I was on it all the time, smoking this, drinking that, taking this. Yeah, wow. it was just it was just hell for leather, hell for leather. So you've been through the fire on that one? Yeah, totally. 16 years sober and clean, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to know what hell's like, I could tell you, trust me. But my mum said when she was passing away, I said to her, 
I don't want to get into that religious thing, but I went to her, um, do you believe in God, mum? Do you believe in heaven? And she said, because she was an alcoholic as well, and she said, I've been to hell. So I know what heaven is like. I know, I've been to hell, so I know what that's like. She said, this is heaven. You know what I mean? If you're ever going to think it's going to get any better from the mountains, the seas, the trees, the nature, that's heaven. It ain't going to get no better than that. You're not going to go above the clouds and there's like this like McDonald's universe like of endless sweets and you can eat chocolate and not get fat and look at all this cocaine, it don't mess your head up and you can drink all the wine you want and you're never going to be crazy and mad and bloated, you know? It's not that. Where I am now is basically what my mum says. It's like your own personal uh, version of, of utopia. It is. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. I mean, so that's completely changed your outlook yeah, on totally, life. Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I would have probably bitten you by now in the old days. That's because of the truth. <laughs> just to see, just to see how, how much noise you made. Like, if you'd have gone like, ah, that hurts, or, you know, what are you doing? Like, you know, I would have bitten you. Yeah, I, was to bite, I used to bite people. I thought it was normal. <laughs> I thought it was normal to bite people, yeah. Coming to Jeremy Ely once on our seventh birthday, and I just, across the crowd, it was about, we had about 3,000 people that I worked so hard on this party, and it was successful. Just about, really, just about. But it was like the old days. It had that about a warehouse, Trinity Boy Wolf it was, big, big um, lighthouse in, in London overlooking the, uh, the newly built um, O2 Dome, or the Millennium Dome, as it was called then. I just saw this neck, and I went through the crowd. I was, and I was just like, his neck, and, I, ah, and I was like a pit boy. So I'd bite you in the neck and hold on to it, and I was shaking him, and this geezer was going, ah, ah, he looked over his shoulder, and it was Jeremy Ely. And I went, oh, Jeremy. And I went normal. And I went, I'm so sorry. I didn't know it was you. He went, it doesn't matter if it's me or not. He said, you shouldn't be buiting people. He was actually on his knees going, oh. I went, I'm so sorry. He went, but you shouldn't be buying people. I went, but it's just normal for me, Jeremy, really, to be honest. But yeah. he still plays for you now, so there's no hard feelings. Right? I'll, or... I'll tell you something, what is great is that time is a healer. Jeremy was always good as gold. Jer- Jeremy, to me, was the king of clockwork. 1998, he did a five-hour set on the 5th of August. Let me get this right. 
It was the fifth anniversary of Clockwork, five hours set on the 5th of <coughs> August, and um, it, it's, probably, it's probably one of my most cherished memories. It was just like three and a half thousand people staring at this one guy, focuses on him, and he like took him on a journey. He took him on a journey. And that's the thing now with a five hour set, you can do that, and you know, Jer Jeremy's just take him on a journey. And he was a, he's a pop star, he's, he was the king, do you know what I mean, he was the king. But even all those frayed relationships that we had back in the day, it's all gone. It's all changed, you know. Because the frayed relationships, because of like what I used to go up to. Do you know what I mean? I'd go past your, I'd go past your restaurant or where you worked, and I'd throw an air bomb in there, like in Ibiza. Honestly, I'd light it in a car. I'd light a joint, light this air bomb, and just go back, go right through the window. Air bomb repeater, boom, 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 boom. All these people running out and smoke. I was like, yeah, sticking my fingers up as I drove up the road. Didn't care. Didn't care. Wow. I was on a one, one road path of destruction. That it's was it. It only leads to one place, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, it does, yeah. 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 And rock bottom. Yeah, nearly killed myself, yeah. Wow. You know, like a phoenix from the flames. Took a long time. Yeah. Took a long time, yeah. And there was always, I suppose, when you were, you know, you'd said goodbye to all of that lifestyle. You're sorting yourself out in terms of in the UK. It, what, what was the day job in those years then? We were talking earlier I about... I started off as a labourer. Yeah. Um... I started off as a labourer, uh, sweeping the floors, and then my mate, who used to work with me in RB, fuck up for Dan, he gave me a job as a tape and jointer. So you're doing jointing. And um, I didn't have my arse from my elbow. I had more gear on me than I did on the walls. That's God's honest truth. I used to go home and look like I'd been working in Trafalgar Square covered in pigeon shit. And um, it was everywhere, absolutely everywhere. It'd go like that with a trowel, it'd go all over me. I was like, oh, God. But it was paying me good money. And I used to have to wear a hat, and I've always been a rebel for the rules and all things like, I'm getting better, I'm getting better, but I always rebel, rebel to authority. And the bloke would walk around with a clipboard and he'd go, put your hat on, mate. And I was on my hands and knees doing this, and I'd go, yeah, right, no problem. Take your headphones out, mate, I'm listening to Frank Sinatra live at the Sands. Have you ever heard that? It's amazing, yeah. Have you heard it? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the real, real yeah. concert live yeah. at the Sands. Absolutely amazing, listening to that. In my own world, like, you know, just thinking they're going, right, I'll be home soon, I can get on it, I'll get pierced, I can smoke this. Take your headphones off, mate. Can't have music. All right, no worries. Clean that shit off the frame. You know what I mean? Okay, no worries. Yeah, I did that. Then um, met this other guy, this um, site manager, this man, and I said to him, like, I told him what I'd done, and like, you know, he was like, really? I went, yeah. I went, I've just come from like running things all over Europe, doing it all myself, like this, that, the other. I said, you got any jobs as a site manager? And he went, yeah, we're looking at the moment. It's a company called MPG. He was my boss, Paul McSloy, and my current boss, which is my director now, a guy called Maurice Crawley, and um, they interviewed me, turned up in one of my old Prada suits and Prada belts and Prada shoes and all that, and the geezer went, fucking hell, you come for the director's job? I went, nah, site manager. And I told him, told him all about the bugle and getting on it, and, and I said I'd done some TV work. And he, at the end of the interview, he went, I like ya. He went, I'll offer you the job now. I was like, wow, a normal job. Um, medical. Pension, weekends off, car allowance. It was really good. I was like, oh, I felt proud about it. And about a month later, my director was on site in the canteen one morning. He went, hey, come here. I went, what's that? He went, no, when you come and saw me for the interview, he started telling me about all the TV work. He went, I thought, what a load, what a load of rubbish. He said, who come on my telly last night when I'm sitting with my daughters watching the telly? I'll be front covered. He went, they're doing a repeat. He went, you. 
He went, I'm so sorry that I didn't believe you. And I went, I told you. I told you. But, um, and you kept the job after that? <laughs> I stayed with him for eight years, yeah, and worked my way up from site manager, finishing foreman, site manager, grade three, two, and then one, and then I become project manager. I'm running jobs like, you know, 100 men on my own, 33 stories, 100% on everything. And the reason why I left that company is that I got knocked on a bonus and I went, okay. And I went, just, yeah, I went, went around for a few years and where I am now, I'm really happy. Excellent. And I've so, still got, still got a day job, still got a normal job. The day job. job, I mean, so that's the interesting thing. So you, you've kind of gone through that, you've built yourself a career back in the UK. Everybody has. Yeah. Everybody from the 90s who learned the hard way, who used to rely on club promoting or DJing. Then when it all finished, they all got day jobs. So they had to go back to what you'd call normality in a way. The nine to five. There is no normality. There is no normality. Try and tell me what normal is and I'll tell you it's a load of testicles, right? And um, so like Alex P is a van driver, four o'clock till nine o'clock in the morning. Brandon Block does mental health uh, stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm a site manager and I do some other stuff. Andy, my partner's a site manager. Um, this man does that. Seb Fontaine works for a music company and they DJ at the weekends. So they've learned, do you know what I mean? Instead of getting out of bed 10 o'clock in the morning, we've all done our partying, now you've got to juggle. Now you've got to juggle. Yeah. And those, uh, and like all of those names you mentioned, now it's kind of gone full circle in Total that. full circle, yeah. What Everybody's was, so busy. What was, the, what was the catalyst for you when that made you think, Let's take Clockwork, let's revive Clockwork Orange and get it back to Ibiza. Uh, I never did. No? No, no, when it finished, it finished. But the one thing that we did back in the day is we always had disposable cameras. Always had cameras that you took to boots and you got processed. And you'd have 35 shit photos, but you'd have that one money shot, that one picture or two shots. Do you know what I mean? And, um, or the photographers that we paid to take stuff, or we used to buy video cameras, and we used to film a lot of the stuff our stuff, and also get stuff video. So I had all that. I'd lost a little bit of it, but not a lot. And I had loads of albums in the loft, and then my mum had loads of stuff in her loft, and I was looking for it, I was going, oh my God, and they're just, they're just quality pictures, mad pictures. When Mambo's was nothing. Um, when San Antonio was just like a back tap, before it all, all went crazy, and, like, and, and Camden and the Cross, and all these parties that we did in the film studios, and I went, right. And I've got them all uploaded on. So first of all, I've done all, see, I had the little VHS cassettes, the little one, and um, I got all them converted, and then the bloke who converted them was an old bloke, and he went, hi, Denny. I went, who's that? He went, Mike, who's converted all your old uh, VHS to a DVD. I went, oh, yeah, he went, just to let you know, there's a couple of blue movies in there you might you don't know, <laughs> didn't know you, moved, you made when you was younger. And I was like, oh, really? And he went, yeah. He went, what I've done is I've put a blue sticker on them for you so you know what they are. And I looked at them, I was like, that's the past. I just destroyed them. <laughs> so um, all them videos that we had, it's quite funny when you run with that, guys. It was straight as a die. And he told me, and I went, did you watch them? Oh, no, I didn't watch them. I said, well, how do you know what they are then? Well, I could tell from the beginning. He's got copies of them. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, imagine that all comes out. I'd be like, well, I look good. I was young. And, I'm, you know, I was a bit fit when I was younger. I'd be like, brand out. And, um, and so he converted them from VHS to DVD. Then I converted them from DVD to MP3. Then I uploaded them from MP3 onto YouTube. So I've got a, lot of, a YouTube channel called The Danny Clockwork, where he's got all the old... The first ever party we've done, January the 23rd, 1993, is on there. And there's all these banging music and a bit of laser and all these people dancing around. And, and then um, 
But the photographs are what made it happen um, because I used all my albums. And I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs. And then my friends' albums. And any friends' friends. And then Andy, my part, that business partner. Any pictures he had. And I just scanned them, upload them all to Facebook, copy people in, tag that person, tag that person. And the result of what you was asking for was people started talking. Mm-hmm. People started talking. And I was like, ooh. And you can feel it. Like promoting is a buzz. Promoting is a is a is a talent. It's not something you can you can learn it, but it's almost like a gift of a talent of no, it's like a sixth sense. And um there was a buzz on Facebook about it and people going, Oh, look at these photos and all that and clockwork and all this stuff. Mm. And Andy rang me up and he used to say to me, because we'd all started going camping, having a laugh, boys laugh, and um everyone's like doing whatever and there's me all sober drinking cans of Coca-Cola, but I loved it. And um and Andy went to me. He used to say to me at camping, do you fancy it? I was like, nah, 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 I don't, I don't. And then I've done this interview for this guy on the embankment. And when I'd done his interview and he said to me, um, he said to me about clockwork and I said, all I ever want to do, hopefully one day, is get 300 people together and have like an old school reunion just to see everybody again. Well, funny enough, six months after that or a few months after that, that's when the buzz happened. That's when Andy said, do you fancy it? I went, do you know what? I did. I actually had the buzz back for it again. I could feel it. Uh, we got McQueen's on my actually on my 40th birthday, 10th of the March 2012, and we sold the 600 tickets in about two days. And I was like, hold on. And then we waited a year. He went, we got to do another party. And I went, no. I went, no. Let's wait a year, and then we've done two and a half thousand, and it's just gone onwards and upwards from there. Yeah. Wow. And. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it. If it wouldn't have been for Facebook, I wouldn't have done it. And that's the thing. Like, so I, su- I suppose, how has that promotion game changed for in the two eras that you've been operating in? You know, is it all social media now? It's or? all social media. Yeah. There's no. We, we don't. We don't. Hardly that's spend the word of mouth. It. Yeah. Is it? Is a little bit of money you spend on social media mm. on uh, on Facebook? There's no flyers anymore. That's like, what is a flyer? There's no posters, even in our beefer. Andy said to me last year, we do some posters. I went, what's the point? There is no point. They're in a shop, they get taken down. They're in a shop window in the middle of nowhere. No one can read it. Posters mean nothing nowadays. Um, back then, you could put... Back, back in 94, 95, people actually um, posted a, a police car in Arbifa, in San Antonio. Covered it, wallpaper paste, and posters all over a police car. You can get killed if you did that now. Then they changed, <clears throat> then there was all old shop windows that used to have all the posters everywhere and that becomes unsightly and ugly, which is fair enough. Then they put up the poster boards. Then the billboards arrived. And like the comparison between then is you'd give out the flyers, you had the posters, the magazines, and anything else you could get written about. Nothing was really online then. It was all like Leap magazine, M8 magazine, Ministry, uh, Ministry, Mix Mag, all them kind of magazines, Time Out. And now it's just... Facebook, Insta- Instagram, yeah, and that's it. That's all you need. That's it. But it's, it's hard. It's still hard. You've got to keep on it, and you know all our content we use is always fresh. If you can use the same design flyer and pump it out every day and go, it's gonna be amazing. I mean, it's like you might as well hit yourself over the head with a stick. Yeah, it becomes wallpaper. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. You got to you got to be you got to be creative in what you do. Got to be creative in what you do. But yeah, compared to the old days, I mean, you know. 
we started Clockwork 94 and they invented the internet in 94. I mean, look how that's gone. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like a dinosaur when I say, like, when you take these kids, like, before the internet, it's like, what? What are you talking about? The internet was like millions of years ago when the earth was created, when there was dinosaurs. No, it wasn't. It was 25 years ago this year, this year, 1994. Do you think that's a positive change that's happened? Or? Nah, I think the world's, the world's too quick now. Yeah. The world's too quick. I'm actually, I've got, like, as I said, I'm writing, like, I've nearly finished writing a book. I'm about 99% there. I've got to proofread it. I'm going to Australia. This ain't an ego thing. Going to Australia next week for clockwork. Next Thursday. And then we're doing, we're doing a party in Perth, and then we're doing a party on the QE2 uh, ship. We're not doing a boat party. We're doing a ship party. Like, taking it to another level. On the sun deck of the QE2, and I'm taking my, hopefully, nearly enough final proof uh, with me on the plane to like read it. But like one of these, and I make movies up in my head. I've got about four or five movies like uh, spinning around in my head and I do them every night before I go to sleep. And one of them is about someone who brings down the internet, the worldwide. Could and be it you. all going back. And then someone like re, what's the word? Then someone doing a reevaluation it like 10 years after and him telling his kids or he's telling his grandchildren what the world used to be like. What it used to be like, then what it was like with the internet, and how it's gone back to how it was. You know what I mean? Everything just like now, everything's like if you don't get an email back in a in, in a second, you know, you used to have to wait. One of our old business partners, we had a guy involved, and we say to him, "You've got to have a mobile, Brian. Why? So people can contact you." He used to go, "Well, let them leave a message for me at home, and when I get home in the evening, I talk to him." It's like, but no, it's got to be now. That's, that's how the world is now. It's just milliseconds. It's just madness. Yeah, it's too yeah. quick. I think like you know, my mum used to go up to the corner and ring someone on a phone box and then come home. Now, by the time she's gone to the phone box and back, I could have sent hundred emails, Facebook, this, that, the other. So you're constantly, you know, you, and social media and your phones is just that's it. It's an addiction. It's almost like an addiction. I get sick of it. My phone. I get sick of it. To the point where I've had enough, and I put it down. I go, I'm sick of it, and I'm back on it 30 seconds later. I kid you not, because you've got to. I can't switch off because you've got to reply and attend to like your business, what you've set out. But other than that, it's not helpful. Yeah. It's just instant. That's yeah. all it is, instant. Yeah. Everything's now instant. So, uh, but it's given you the opportunity to take your brand kind of oh, worldwide, totally, yeah. I suppose. Um, yeah, totally. You mentioned Perth, and I think after it'll probably happen before this podcast goes out but you guys are doing the QE2 in Dubai yep. in April but you're also doing the big events in Ibiza this summer and the festival 25th anniversary summer, yep. the festival yep. June clock 22nd stock, yeah yep. clock stock yeah um, and you're doing print works in September yep. you're doing fabric all day and all night in, no in all November, day no it starts no it's um, it's actually 2 till 10 or 1 till 10 and then we're doing McQueen's afterwards from 10 o'clock until 4 o'clock it's an after party. I yeah. love an after party. There's more life in them old people than there is. That's what the kids said. There was some kid put an Instagram post on about last year, the beach that we did in Ibiza that's now illegal. And um, some kid put on uh, Instagram uh, partying with these old people down at um, Clockwork Orange. They can't off party. Do you know what I mean? They can't off party. It was leaving the kids for dead, mate. Leaving the kids for dead. And is that like the veterans? Do you know what I mean? Veterans, you want to call yeah. in the professionals, you call in the veterans. Well, it's like you said earlier about uh, all of these guys that and, and men and women, all this scene that existed in the 90s. Everyone's gone away, car carved a career, a, a semi kind of sensible life, and yet they still feel that need to, to go out blood. there. 
Totally. It's in your blood. Do you think we had not a care in the world? You lived in your mum's or your dad's bedroom or you lived with a mate and it was all about partying. You could go out every single night of the week, near enough. Mondays and Tuesdays a bit rubbish, but Wednesday maybe, Thursdays there was some stuff. Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, it was going on. And you lived to party. People got married, people got divorced, people got fat, lost their hair, had kids, moved on, become grandparents. <laughs> This is the mad thing about our lot. They become grandparents as well. Mortgages, paid the mortgages, then the divorces came, then the deaths, all that stuff. Then the kids left home because you're talking about a long time. And it's almost like a second chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? All that and then yeah. after that, and it's like, right, all that's over. I'm not with her no more. I'm not with him or we still like partying or the kids have gone. Um that's it it's like a, it's a second coming you only, and, and we're lucky it's like as I say uh, clockwork, you only live twice yeah. you only live once but we've been given a second opportunity and that's why I grasp clockwork with both hands Yeah. that's when, I'm, when I don't want to do the stuff when I don't want to do it I know I've got to do it I've got to keep pushing myself to do it because I've been blessed with a second opportunity and yeah so the, that house music scene it was such a brand new thing and everyone's grown up with it it's it, Everyone seems a bit surprised that it's going to have got this second life, but it's the first time this kind of thing has, has, has got to this age, you know. So it's going to last forever, isn't it? It's going to last. It's like, it's like rock and roll, whatever. That's yeah, not dead. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is the second one, but then it could do because you think of like lifespan. Some people come into it late. Some people come into it early. There won't be a third coming. You don't think? There's a second coming. Yeah, there won't be a third coming. I'll be 60, 70 years old. There's no way I'm staying in the club when I'm 60, 70 years old. No way. If I'm alive. Huh? <laughs> you could be the next Tony Pine. No, 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 no. He's, he does. He did what he did and stuff like that. Nah, you know, it's it's got a certain certain longevity. Whether it goes on for however many years it goes on, you know. But I mean, yeah, I don't want my life to be getting crazier. I want my life to be getting easier. Mm. I could make my life easier. I could give up the day job and probably do this and lay in bed, do it from a phone. But then you just get even lazier. So, you know, I'll get up, from, I'll get up and go to work. So, who? What's the audience for Clockwork Orange now? Is it targeting the veterans of that scene, or are you know are people bringing their all about the old people. their second generations along, yeah, bringing their the kids second, and showing the them how people, they did it? The older, the older generation, totally mm. the older generation. That's what it's all about. But because of the vibe spreading and the atmosphere, and then you get the like-minded youngsters who want to come, you know. And what Clockwork's all about, the Orange Army, and you know, are based. I based the promotion and I based what it should be about when we relaunched all of my sobriety, all what I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous. Do you know what I mean? Like, who are we to judge? So if you've got someone dancing like a loon in a corner, who are you to laugh at them because they want to dance? Do you know what I mean? All things like that. And it's called the clocky way. It's the togetherness, isn't it? Exactly. Mm. Union. You find a wallet, you, find, you hand that wallet in. You find a purse or a watch or a ring or whatever, you, you fit it in. Don't be a scumbag and nick it. What are you trying to achieve? What, what you've gone out and you've had a night out and you're going to go and pull a ring for 30 quid? Do you know what I mean? It's scummy, isn't it? So look after each other. Look out for each other. You know what I mean? I want to come to our beef on my own. And you see people on the group, they go, well, you're never on your own. You can come with us. And then someone will go, oh, I went last year and I had no friends and I had an amazing time because it's how it should be. It's ultimately the bare essentials. It ain't no new invention. It's, it ain't no new thing. It's how it should be fundamentally. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, kind, uh, gracious, giving, loving, loyal, not loyal, all the, all the positive attributes of a human being. 
It's not hard to do. All in one place, everyone Yeah, the arrogance. And we've done all that. Mm-hmm. Sniffing bugle, standing there in Dolce and Cabana, <clears throat> looking at people. Look at you. I've got two grand of bugle and two grand in my pocket. I'm the bollocks. But I'm just an insecure, like messed up, immature fool. That's the reality. So we've done all that, put all that to bed. And then, um, yeah, it's called growing up as well. And it comes with a little bit of wisdom mm-hmm. and age and maturity. And you can't do that unless you've actually been through and done it. When you boil it all down, it all comes back to the music. Kids can't do that. You've got to go through that. Mm. Kids, the young kids, they've got to go through all that stuff. Oh, look at that old man with his grey hair. Mm, I was that young kid saying, who's that old man with the grey hair? One day I was that kid thinking I'm never going to get old, thinking it's going to be hard to get out of bed in the morning. Do you know what I mean? At 47 years old, creaking. Like, oh, I don't want to go to work, but I've got to go. People go, you've got grey hair. I go, it ain't grey. It's white. <laughs> My hair's gone white through stress, madness, age. You know, they say it comes with wisdom. No, my hair went grey when I was 18. And when I was 18, I was far from wise, you know. But, Mm. um, yeah, that's the thing with our age. We've gone, started in the 90s. And then it's like, we started and it's 25 years later. And in them 25 years, you know, I've been mad. I've been addicted. I'm 16 years sober down the line. And, you know, and in them last... 16 years is when I discovered who I really was, you know. And then clockwork wouldn't have been what it is today if we wouldn't have based it on on the on the the basis of what I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's the truth. All their little sayings, um, which I I brought forward into there and like you know and weaned into clockwork. Because otherwise it would have all just been about let's go out madness and all that. That's not what it's all about. Yeah, keep it positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. It's such a great story. 25 years in Ibiza. What are the next 25 years going to be for Clockwork Orange, do you think? Next 25 years. If, if it's there's not gonna... Andy's daughter and son and my daughter doing something with it, then, you know, we've got the festival now. That's that's the main thing. We're on 11,000 tickets, 65 DJs, um, an amazing venue, Chelmsford City Racecourse. It's just amazing. We get the sunshine. Everything else we cracked. Um, we've got a spot on. We get the sunshine as well. It's, it's going to go down in history. Festival, festival's an old word. Do you know what I mean? I don't want it to be a festival. It's going to be a clock stock. It's going to be a new thing. Do you know what I mean? Don't keep using the same old shit and keep like throwing it at a festival. <laughs> it's boring. It's like, what? You know, do yourself a favour. Like, try and think of something different. You know, market it different. When people say festival, no, it's not. It's a clock stock. And I want it to be... I'm saying do something original, but I want it to look across them fields and it's just rocking, just rocking everywhere. Then I know I've cracked it. The sunshine and it's just going off everywhere. That's all you can ask. And you think that's the future in terms of? Not is that. Ibiza's good. Um, I'm, I mean, I love it. I love Ibiza. If I couldn't do Ibiza, I wouldn't. You know, it's like if someone said, come and work for me doing promoting. Nah, yeah. I don't want to because my art's in clockwork. That's how I grew that with Andy, you know, and like, that's been my baby and my buzz and my history. I couldn't go and work with someone and work for them and promote their stuff because there'd be no energy behind it. So where's it going to be in 25 years? 25 years when I'm 72, I'll probably be dead. So wherever clockwork is, God knows where. It'll be in good hands, hopefully. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be in a bucket in a in the garden. My missus will let the, like, the local fox wee up against me. I'll say, like, hey, I should go, thank God he's gone. But, um, <laughs> Or in some in some unattended grave covered with mildew and an old like uh, old daffodils growing out the side that someone planted when I first passed away. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we're all doing quite well. I think those people in the nineties who pickled themselves, 
they seem to have like preserved themselves in some way with all them chemicals and potions. I do seem to be like, you know, I'm like, oh, hold on. No one's really touch wood. Yeah. Touch everything. But um, everyone seems to, yeah, they seem to have preserved themselves. No one really, no one really like dying. Like you hear about some stuff, which is more of a like, oh wow, so and so's passed away. But it ain't like last week was thirty people <laughs> all going to a party. They all just went. Yeah, they all yeah. seem to be going quite well. You know, going well, quite well. So I mean, in the future, um, you guys have worked with so many DJs, so many different venues, so many different, like, you know, festival, Ibiza, print works, etc. Are there any DJs that you haven't worked with or any venues that you really want to put on an event? What's the what's the dream uh, beyond no what you've already venue. done? There's no dream venue. No. no. No, no, no. No dream venue. I mean, you could talk about coup. They call it privilege. I call it coup. But um, no, not really. No, no, no. I mean, the, the festival is the one. And growing that into something like spectacular, but there's a lot of spectacular like um, festivals out there. I watched something the other day. There was a plane flying over the crowd with lasers and fireworks coming out of it, like the finale. Someone said, "Why don't you do that?" I went, "You can't do it." I said, "It'll cost a fortune." I said, "Not only that, health and safety." I said, "You have to be normal nowadays. <laughs> you have to do so much that goes into it." But um, no, it's a. Uh, like maybe Fatboy Slim or Carl Cox, but we never thought we'd get Eric Murillo. We tried all them years and we got him. And like, you know, it took me a lot of hard work and backwards and forwards and this and that and, and years of trying to get him. And then finally we got him. Sanchez, you know what I mean? We never thought we got him. Todd Terry, it's another level. So like the next level is you like your Fatboy Slims. Mm-hmm. All them other like uh, people, you know, um, Anyone who's like new on the scene or like, you know, silly other people, no, you, the people we know who can rock it would be Fatboy Slim, Carl Cox. That's what our crowd would like. And um, yeah, that's it. And then just creating sort of your own stuff, really. I never thought I'd do amnesia. I never thought I'd go back to Ibiza. And all them years that we weren't doing parties, I was like, no. I was like, you know, I, I never dreamt about it. Talk to people, I used to do parties out here. And they used to go, did you? And then someone I knew who was there, they go, listen, trust me. They did, oh, really? No, they'd never heard of it because time had moved on. And you're like, oh, okay, acceptance is the key. But um, nah, just onwards and upwards from where we're going. Onwards and upwards from where we're going. It's, and it's good working with all the venues now. Do you know what I mean, as you, as you said, like Fabric, we've got that. Printworks, biggest yeah. venue in London. Yeah, you're in a great place. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah, it's good and I'm grateful. Awesome. So, I mean, I know we're kind of carrying on here, but um, to kind of wrap it up, um, us at House Culture, we're trying to build the perfect playlist for our fans. So we ask our guests to pick five tracks based around specific themes. I think we kind of teased you up for this anyway to get you thinking anyway. Bit, your yeah, your creative some, juice is thinking. Uh, he's picked up his phone, so hopefully giving it some notes to yourself. He's but um, ultimate. What, what, what I found is, is um, I don't want really a picture of my willy, do you? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm Not joking. yet. I'm joking. Oh, hey! <laughs> Hold on. It's gone full circle. Um, yeah, what I don't like is like, you know, when we when we came back and how we developed, how we realised that we had, that we were developing a new sound because Clockwork's all about the remixes and the yeah. edits of the old ones because to hear like your uh, career and, Pat, and Patty Day and all that, you could drop some of them tunes at a certain time and it will go ballistic. You know, like um, Debbie Malone, all that. What we've done on the beach, done that. We done. We went Patty Day into Debbie Malone, and the place was going off. But um, 
I can't be hearing all that stuff that I've listened to for 25 years. It's like if you eat a bacon sandwich every day for 25 years, you're going to get pissed off with it. Do you know what I mean? So you had a bit of tomato sauce, a bit of Worcester, bit of, bit of mustard. Spice it up a that's bit. That's exactly what it is. And that's what our stuff is nowadays. So like them old tunes, I love them, but I like it when we have someone that plays stuff that is from that era, but they've really gone out of their way to put that set together. Where, where you fresh hear it take. I haven't heard that for so, and when you go, oh, I haven't heard that for so long. All of a sudden, you're 16 or 17, and you're you are where you heard it again. Do you know what I mean? It's like a smell. If I smell something, or when I'm in our beef and I smell the pine, I feel like I'm home, or I smell coffee, or olives. When I, I smell olives, I'm in Barcelona, 1996, arranging our beef for 1997, just before it went crazy. So smells and sounds like take me to places, but um, I mean I've got. Your sunset tune would be La Femme d'Argent. I was asking that air? one. You wanted that one, didn't you? Air, yeah. yeah to, air. So to soundtrack the perfect sunset. Yeah, that's like one of. You, don't forget you're doing yeah. a two-hour sunset. It's, it's difficult to narrow that it down tune, to one. In 2001, when I left, I went to work for someone, and I was listening to that on the Walkman. It starts thinking, with the rainfall. It's so yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I'm thinking, where did I go wrong? Yeah. Where's it all gone wrong? Yeah. You know I mean, I was in a proper old mad place. It was only two years later that everything stopped. But I'm listening to that, and I just go off in my head, you know what I mean? And I've yeah. played that at uh, Mambo, so you got that one. And then um, you got The Chase. It's called The Chase. This is an old tune. So then also The Sunset. you got Les Le Nuit by um, Nightmares and Wax. Nightmares and Wax, yep. Yeah, that's like one of them tunes that I think is almost made like... Um, when it, I don't believe in heaven, I don't believe in hell, but when you listen to something like that, someone had something special going on when they made that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It ain't yeah. all about music. You've got a connection to something... Like a spirituality, when you hear that, you're like, it's yeah, powerful. It's a feeling. Yeah. Um, the Chase Model 500. Yeah. Smooth Mix. That's an old, like, kind of techno kind of tune from, like, 1990. So that would be your floor filler? Or? No, that's yeah. one that I'd listen to if someone, like, played it. But then you've got, um, oh, where am I going to go with this one? It's, I'll tell you, right, I'll, I'll tell you what the, the, the one, and I always, we always think about it. We always go, um, it's not, people call it cheesy. But I think it's one. I think it's one of the greatest tunes, and we used to play it a lot when we first started. And when we played it. It was the last tune we played on the beach, like the first or sort of the second beach. It's Alison Limerick. We love this. All of it. I mean, the, the girls love it. That's it. Most people love it. When you hear three thousand people on the beach singing it back to you at twelve o'clock midnight, it's powerful. But my favourite bit is the strings at the end. And anybody who mixes over that, I want to smash their head in. I swear to you, it's like that radio presenter when they're talking and they're playing Hotel California and just before the guitar bit comes in, he goes, now we're going to the news. It's like, what? Where do you live? I want to find you and hunt you down and personally bite you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it'd be, it would be, um, it'd be like Alice Limerick. So that's your be, ultimate yeah, last yeah, it's tune. one of them ones where you go like, because uh, nowadays with the edits, you've got the old tunes from the old days and you've got the edits, and some of these new tunes have been remixed five times. So you've got, you've got 30, 40 times mm -hmm. more music than what you used to have. And it's coming out all again. And then you've got Tech House. Then you've got all these other genres going on. So, um, no, nah, I used to love that. And little Tony Nichols, and he, and he knows that. He's um, a friend of mine, and he knows, like, he, if he's ever he's playing it and he's anywhere near me, you don't, you don't, don't mix over the strings. Do you like that bit, that really cool bit. It's end, biting you know? time, it's otherwise. My, yeah, it's my favourite bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets bitten, yeah. <laughs> like a pit bull, ravaged around like a little rag doll. Like, 
Um, so that's your last tune. What's the what was the what was the first tune that you mentioned house and hip house at the top of this interview? What, what was the one that got you into house music? That first one you heard. Um, and was like, what is this? My first one was Jesus Loves Acid. The stuff that when I hear it and it takes me to a different place is feeling good. Pressure drop. Mm-hmm. That's eighty eight, eighty nine. When you hear things like "Get Into the Music," nineteen ninety serious mix, DJ's rule. Different stuff that when you haven't heard them for ages, when you haven't heard them for ages, it, you go, oh my God. Do you know what I mean? All like the same ones that people play and like boom, 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 boom. But when someone drops something like that, it's like, bosh. It's thinking outside the box. Yeah. It's like one of them, it's a classic for them areas, but it's like a forgotten classic. And what's a tearjerker for you? Uh, it, not, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a house music track. What, what one kind of fills you full of emotion? The one that used to be the most powerful for me was um, when um, that five hours set that I spoke about when Jeremy Lee done his five hours set on the fifth anniversary, fifth of August. I think three quarters of the way through his set when he played um Agnelli and Nelson El Nino. Yeah, it was like powerful and I was just like I don't think I'd heard it until he actually yeah. played it. It, was just, yeah. it might come out ninety seven. Yeah. But it's almost like it's almost like when Jeremy used to play like Tony Wilson, that other guy. When they played music, they all played the same tunes, but when they played it it sounded different. Do you know what I mean? It was like when someone makes something, it's like, how did you cook that? Well, I've done it this way. Well, if I did it, it wouldn't, wouldn't taste the same as that. It's the same as Jeremy. Looking over three and a half thousand people, like, going it's such a build crazy. up on that and tune it like as that, well. And it going off. And it's one of them ones where it evokes maybe I'm tears. I'm getting a bit of a exactly. <laughs> thinking but about it. Like pure goosebumps up the back of your yeah. head and all your arms, you know what I mean? And you know, and I mean, powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. Andy played it. Um, I made him play it. I played it at 338 about three, four years ago, and I made him, I didn't make him, but I said, and he said he'd play it when we'd done um, Sankey's and I'll be for two years ago. With the power had been shut off, the whole club went out, just opened the doors, just to start on a clockwork weekend in Ibiza. The whole street goes black. Like, what is going on? People in the club had to come out, health and safety reasons. What's going on, Dan? I don't know. I don't know. So please just go up the road and have a drink and come back. Some people moaning, some people their money back. I was like, I don't need this. I don't need one weekend and they've got a power cut. Ah, oh, 45 minutes later, the power comes on. All it going inside, all the lights, see all these people roar in the street. Everybody comes back. Everybody's inside. Everybody's rocking. Victor Simonelli said he's never seen anything like it. It was like full in 10 minutes and they just go mental for it. It actually created a bit of buzz. And Andy dropped Agnelli and Nelson, and it just it just went off. It just went off. Yeah, it's quality. Amazing. So that's always my my tune that I will remember. That yeah. really gets you. Yeah, really like if yeah. someone played it. Yeah, at that right time. Yeah, yeah. It's a bugger to mix, but yeah. <laughs> and so, what's your floor filler though? If you had to play, if you wanted, you know, if you wanted to get everyone on the floor singing along. Or slamming down. It would be that one. It would be, be Alison Limerick. Yeah. No, it'd be Alison Limerick. Alison Limerick. Yeah, it'd be that yeah. one. Yeah. It'd be that one. It's cheesy now. They, they say it's cheesy, but it ain't. It's good, overplayed. There's, there's good music, there's bad music. There's yeah. no, you know, it's got lush instrumentation on mm. it. It's beautiful. You know, it's a wicked tune. I'm up, the end is my favourite. Yeah. The end is my favourite. The, end, the, end's got, the end's got class to it. Do you know what I mean? It's got class. It's got a punch to it. But that's what the birds love. They're like the girls. Let's call them the girls. <laughs> That's what the girls love. They love a bit of Alison Limerick. And vocals. Yeah. I thought Clockwork was all about up-tempo, pumping, whatever, and, you know, I've, I've learned in that second time. That it's not, not all about that. That's what I like playing. I can't play down-tempo. Yeah. Bores a 
getting life out of me, I can tell you. Someone says, you've got to do a warm-up. I say, you ain't going to get much of a warm-up out of me, mate. I'm going to take it right. Not crazy, yeah. but I'm going to take it up. I'm going to have El a double, on first. <laughs> double funkier and rolling from the, from the start. You know what I mean? Let's get yeah. you going at nine o'clock. Our final question is, what does house culture mean to you? What's the spirit that drives you in terms of house music? House music? Yeah. Everything um, around it. What, what, just sum it all up. House music giving me my life. My life has been house music. That is it. When I, when I thought I was, I thought I'd arrived when hip hop came into the scene, but when house music arrived in my life, that's what took me to a new dimension. It's been my life. It's been my, my profession. It's been my my vocation and my passion. I've always got it on. I've got it on in the morning. I've got it on at work. I've got it on when I get home. Uh, I work with it. I go and DJ with it at the weekends. So, you know, it's my life. I love finding them old, forgotten gems. And when you hear me like, oh my God, my missus like, and she don't get it. That's a lovely thing. That's why we work so well. She don't get it. And um, you can't say nothing greater than it has been my life. Mm. It, it has been my life. And even when I stopped drinking, I thought I had to stop listening to house music. Someone said to me, you should stop listening to the music that gives you a buzz or will take you back to that place. Oh, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? I used to come home from work, newly sober, smashed to pieces mentally, with the music on as loud as I could because I was buzzing off the music. Do you know what I mean? It's a natural buzz. When people say that to me years ago, it's a natural thing. I was going, shut up. Can't get, I was like, what? We're talking about natural high. There used to be a band in, uh, in 95 called Natural High, and I used to say, what a stupid band name. But... Um, it is. It is. It's a buzz. There is a buzz to the music, and the music can make you happy, sad, chill you out, can take you to another place. Can get... Sometimes when I'm really knackered, I'll have a mix with my headphones on, and I'll come off, and at 8 till 9, I want to go to sleep. I'll do an hour and a half mix, 9.30, and I come off, I'm buzzing. I don't want to go to bed. I'm like, where did that come from? Do you know what I mean? It gives me energy. It gives me life. It's, it's everything that I am. It's everything that I am, and I absolutely adore it. Perfect. Yeah. That's, I think that's a fantastic thought to end on. Mm. Thank you so much. No worries. It's now I'm going to bite you. <laughs> hey! Chump, chump on the bit. House culture. Wow. Well, what can you say? I hope you enjoy listening to Danny as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. What a character he is. Full of great stories, and as we heard, there's plenty more to come from him and Clockwork Orange in 2019. Did all get a bit loose at the end there though with Danny's choices of tracks that we're going to put into House Culture's perfect playlist. However, his catalysts, the tracks that first got him into house music, were DJ's Rule, Get Into The Music, The Serious Club Mix, and The Ecstasy Club's Jesus Loves The Acid. His sunsetters were La Femme d'Argent by Air, La Nuit by Nightmares On Wax, and the Balearic Gem, that is the smooth mix of Model 500's The Chase. As we heard his tearjerker, the track that just fills him with emotion was Agnelli and Nelson's absolutely slamming anthem El Nino. And finally, his floor filler, as well as his favourite last tune, was the unbeatable Alison Limerick Where Love Lives. Just make sure you don't cut those strings off at the end, yeah? find all of the tracks we discussed in this episode on House Culture's Perfect Playlist on Spotify, 
so make sure you search for that and follow it to keep yourself up to date with the selections from all of our lovely podcast interviewees. Also, make sure you subscribe to us so you never miss out on future House Culture podcast releases. Please, love, like, tweet, share, tell your friends, leave us a review. We'd love to get your thoughts and could get you a shout out on a future episode. So be nice. Don't forget, if you want to party with Team House Culture and Clockwork Orange in Ibiza this year, and what I'm sure will be a weekend that will go down in Balearic Legend, you need to get yourself some tickets pretty sharpish. These are available from the Clockwork Orange site at www.clockworkorange.co. And why don't you come follow us and keep abreast of all things house culture by hitting up our Instagram feed at housecultureNet or by following the hashtag TrueHouseCulture. Finally, you can reach out to me, Matt Rouse, directly on Instagram at DJ Matt Rouse. Thanks for listening. See you next time. House Culture. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.